welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev and I've got Simon along with me, uh, but we've actually been joined by a really special guest on this episode. We have got the former Luton Town player, Jake Howes, with us. Jake, thanks for giving up some of your time this evening. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Simon, how's things? Hope you're well. Yeah, keeping well. Thanks, Kevin. Keeping busy and keeping very hot today. It is incredibly hot. You're absolutely right, but we shouldn't complain too much. Uh, Jake, let's um, get started. Uh, nice question to get you started with. Playing for Luton Town, obviously, as a local lad, what did it mean to you? Uh, undescribable, to be completely honest. I don't think you can put it into words. Um, I think for any young lad, becoming a professional footballer is an unbelievable experience, I think. Being completely honest, I wasn't a Luton fan when I was 15, 16 when I got signed. I obviously left a avid Luton fan, but you joined the club and it's a club that I think is, is common knowledge is that everyone just falls in love with the club as soon as you sign for them. I've met players that have been on a month loan and people like Alfie Mawson, who's gone on to have a great career and he's done really well. And he's, he said, that you never lose touch with Luton Town. They're, they're just one of them clubs. But for me, when I played for Luton Town every week and... I was lucky enough to play the amount of games I did. It was just an unbelievable feeling. It was playing at Kenilworth Road. Even now, I, I, I remember it. I, I'm lucky enough to have two kids and uh, I show them. My oldest is nine and he's, he's always like, can I look on YouTube and you'll find clips? And it's just, it's just, it's just amazing. It really, as a club, I, I could never ever in a million years say a bad word about the club at all. And obviously, as fans, you know, I mean, you'll know more than anyone having come through the youth system that we really do take pride in sort of the graduates that come out of that youth system and then yourself and sort of even more recently than that, James Justin's come out and gone yeah. on to fantastic things. I mean, was there an even extra special bond between you and supporters because you'd come through the youth system that way? It, it, there definitely was. I can't, I can't deny it at all because there's, you, you get the, the amazing fans, even when I was 16 playing in the youth team at Ely Way on a Saturday morning, that there'd be fans there and they'd watch your progress. And then I was, I was fortunate enough, Mick put me in quite early to the first team and, Everyone grew with that, and then you you see faces. It's not just the fans as well. You, you get close with the receptionist, leader at the club. You get Ronna, who's on the door. You you just find all these bonds around the football club. And I was there for so long, and everyone was like family to me. It was it was very very special, and I, I, I'm so glad I had to I had the experience to to have that at Luton Town. I don't think I could. I could never have wished that, at, you know, as a young lad, I never thought I would have achieved something like that I did with such an amazing club. I mean, you mentioned Mick gave you your um, sort of grounding there. Do you think, do you remember much about your um, your debut for the club? It was the last game of the season in that unfortunate season that we got yeah. relegated at League One, wasn't it? Yeah, so obviously it started when we were championship and, and we were struggling and a few of the boys were getting sold for good money, Curtis, Kev Foley these guys and I was fortunate enough to I would come in and I would put me in training sometimes and I was sort of looking around and looking at people thinking wow these guys are you know Stevie Howard just a monster up front and then and Viney and I'm training with these dudes and I'm thinking wow like these these are another level I'm, I'm miles away at this time but at 16 you've got the most energy in the world you're, you're running after people that like you've never had before um and then, yeah, he, Mick, Mick obviously took over when we were League One. We was unfortunate with the points deduction. But as a group, it was, they were still amazing players. And I was, I was behind Sol Davis at the time. And Sol was such an amazing, amazing mentor and person. He was just, 
he's a legend at the club. There's no doubt about that. And he would guide me as much as he can. He'd always coach me personally, one-on-ones. He'd do so much with me. And then uh, I was travelling around with the, with the League One coming towards the end. I think, it was, I think it was 10 games left. And then Mick said, oh, Jake, I was training with the first team anyway. So, Jake, come on, you're, you're with us. We was Doncaster away, Nottingham Forest away. These grounds, Nottingham Forest, I was like, wow. I remember warming up. He said, you're not on the bench, but I'm going to make you warm up and you can experience it because this is what it's going to be like. And I was blown away just looking up and I just thought, wow. Um, and he always told me, he said, you'll, you'll, I'll give you your debut this season. I, I don't know when I can, but I will be giving it to you. And it obviously, it come um, Huddersfield at home. Uh, I think it's what, 15 minutes left. He said, look, he pulled me from the warm up. I put my shirt on. It was about 10 times way too big for me. <laughs> and I was looking around and obviously the fans knew that I was coming on to make my debut and everyone stood up and you sort of, you're in a little bubble. You, you don't really know what's going on, to be honest. Um, I went on at left back next to Don Hutchinson, who's played for Wales, uh, Wales Scotland, and he's, he's, he's had an unbelievable career. And I'm sort of thinking, well, all right. Anyway, it's nil-nil when I come on. Typically, we lose one nil and I don't think it was my fault. I'm going to say it weren't my fault to go anyway. But yeah, it's just... From there, it just, my career was, it just went from there, really. And it just went from strength to strength. And just that 20 minutes I got at the end of League One, it just pushed me on for League Two that season. Still 17, 18. And it was just, just learning every day, training with the boys all the time and just being around pros like that and good professionals as well that you could learn off. It's, it was so important. So I, I, was, I was so lucky. Didn't have too long to wait after your debut into the next season, really, did you, Jake, for your first start? I mean, that came in the um, Johnson's Paint Trophy, didn't it, in the 2-2 draw against Brentford? Yeah, yeah, it did. It's, um, that's, that's when I got my first start and I was training, like I said, every day and I was pushing as much as I can and, and being that young and just so enthusiastic. And, and I moved into digs at the time where I was living with a, a family that would take care of you and you go to training. I used to get the bus to training. We used to train at the rugby club still before Eli Way. And um, yeah, it's, it's, you get your, your first start. And I, to be honest with you, I can't really remember it as much as I probably should against Brentford. But the whole Johnson Paint journey was just, it was just mental in itself. That whole League Two Johnson Paint trophy, the points deduction, the players we had in on loan. It was just all a, a crazy journey that I was sort of experiencing at such a young age still. And seeing, you know, things go on that I, I thought was obviously normal in the professional game, but it, it definitely wasn't. Um, but sort of, I, I, got, I had my head on. I was very focused. I was so dedicated to, to playing. Um, and I think that was one of my massive strengths, that I was, I was always prepared to do whatever I can to, to play as many games as I can. And, um, yeah, I, I racked up a few games in that season. And uh, it happened, whatever it did, and we, we got relegated. But I learnt so much from that season. And... It helped me massively. Just from League One, League Two, helped me so much for the rest of my career, and yeah, gave me massive determination to get back in the league as well. Because when you came in for that Brentford game, you, you seemed to settle into the side from that point onwards. And for a young player who'd only made his debut the back end of the previous season, that must have been great for yourself to be involved and and up and running so quickly. Many youngsters at that age are, are waiting for the first team opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, the, the little 20 minutes I got in League One, it, it helped so much. And having people like Sol, who was playing there, it, it was incredible. The, the one quote, it was a few years later, obviously, when John Still was manager. But I always remember, it. he pulled me into the office with Terry Harris and Hakan. And he pulled me and he said, how are you doing? And the, the normal man management John's brilliant at. And he said, oh, let me tell you something that I've obviously been in the game a long, long time. And 
and I've seen a lot go on and he said that I've never seen a more intelligent football player than yourself and I obviously was just a bit blown away like blimey John like you've seen everything you can in the game and that's, that's a huge credit um, and I think I was very fortunate to learn the game so quickly in an environment where I had no choice where I had to learn because of you know what was going on at the club and you know the, the pros were losing money wages are going down they were the boys were debating whether to leave the club and administration whether the club would go bust and everything was going on and I was this 17 18 year old cleaning Sol Davis's boots still and still learning every day and it was just it was such a learning curve and I don't I think that's where you know younger lads that come through they didn't really have what I did in that sense and I think I had you know I dealt with all the negative you can in football and I just sort of used it as, much, as well as I could to, to take it as a positive and use it for the rest of my career. Um, so, yeah, I, I was lucky to experience it. But at the same time, it was, it was tough. It was emotionally very tough and physically tough. Just touching on that, actually, you're saying about you being in Sol Davis's boots. Because, of course, during that season, I think I'm right in saying you were still a youth team player by definition of sort of contract terms and whatever, weren't you? You were playing first team yeah. on youth team money. Yeah, so I was I was first and well, second year in League Two, second year scholarship. So I was on sixty five pound a week, um, doing all the jobs you do. You get into the training ground eight o'clock in the morning. You leave about five o'clock. You do all the jobs, and yeah, I, I do soul's boots before training. Did soul boots after training. You would always look to the pros at Christmas time for that little bonus. But so always, so was like a, a great, great guy, and he'd, he'd look after me and give me a good cash bonus. So I was delighted with that. But um, yeah, I was, I was still a scholarship and. Obviously, you had the, had the boys earning really good money. You had Chris Martin coming online from Norwich earning God knows what. But, yeah, it was, it's, it, it was weird. I, I never, ever pressed it. It wasn't about money for me there. It was sort of, I'm, I'm living a dream, you know, playing professional football. I'm playing places like Bradford City away on a, on a Tuesday, I think it was. And it, it's just like the, there's 10,000 people in. I'm now playing at home at Luton where everyone knows the intensity and the pressure you have is... It, it's, it, only, it only makes you go that a little bit further and gives you a little bit more. So, yeah, it's, it, like I said, I, I, lived, I lived a dream and I was, I'm so delighted that I did. And I, I, it still it makes me happy, like even now, and telling people and telling you guys is, is such a nice feeling. So, You talked about living the dream there and you also mentioned Chris Martin. Um, one of the key things for his um, season on loan at Luton was obviously the Johnson's Paint Trophy final. That must have been kind of difficult although it was a great day for the club for you personally you played in every round in to get that yeah. far and then you weren't included in in the match day squad I mean just talk to us about that a young player you dream to play at Wembley it, it was and and you know what Mick was was great with it we stayed up in a hotel on the Friday um before the final and everyone obviously got sized up for their suits and it, it was the whole occasion was everyone was buzzing with everything going on in the league this was the, the distraction if we could win this against Scunthorpe it was something you know we didn't expect um, Mick pulled me down after our, our dinner about half seven as he pulled me down to reception and he just said he, he just said look you're not you're, you're going to be absolutely you know gutted about this but I'm telling you now you're going to have one hell of a career and I promise you now you're going to play at Wembley and I'd, I'd I'd be I'd be shocked if you didn't play higher um and that I sort of took on the chin and it was just another another bit in my journey where I got to experience the day and experience Wembley like I did. And yeah, I, w I was gutted. Naturally, I think if, if a player you weren't gutted, then there's something wrong with you. But I was, I played every round. I enjoyed every round. 
Um, I think the reason why I wasn't, I think you put Lewis Emmanuel on the bench instead of myself, or Lewis played and Sol was on the bench. One of the two anyway. I think I can't remember the way it round it was. But I just I took it on the chin. I was 18 and I just said, yeah, no problem. I'll keep working. I, I want to I play as many games as I can and hopefully my time does come again at Wembley. Yeah, and obviously not long after that Johnston Payne Trophy final, obviously the relegation out of the league was confirmed and things. And we started our life in non-league and you was pretty much influential right from the start of that, Jake, because it was only a month into the non-league journey that I'm guessing quite a big milestone in your career happened when you scored your first Luton Town goal. Do you remember that? I do, Cambridge away. Back on the Cambridge defence and Newton's got a header on and the defender's headed it back. Gallon on the edge of the area, Gallon shots blocked. It's going to fall to Howes, it's a goal! It's 3-2 to Luton! Jake Howes with his first professional goal. The defender back-headed it, Gallon raced onto it. He uh, shot the keeper, blocked it, Howes racing into the area. Open goal, it's Luton 3-2 up at Cambridge now. Oh, this is unbelievable. We've only played 16 minutes in the second half. And the Hatters have scored three times. Yeah, and it was a hell of a game as well. We were 3 0 down. 2 0. 2 0 down. Uh, Mick was manager. Hatch, Liam Hatch got sent off. That's right. First half. So we come into the changing rooms half time. Um, we weren't doing great in the league. Mick turned around and says to us at half time, Look, if you don't turn this round, I'm gone. Most of you will be gone. And the club will be struggling. It's going to be transformation. So it's up to you what you want to do. Don't know whether that just spurred us on anyway, but when. Mick gets angry. I think everyone knows. You sort of, you butt your ideas up. Uh, went out, scored. Um, I can't remember who scored the first. Who scored the first? Kevin Gallon. Kev Gallon tapped one in. Was it me? I got the second, then Jarvis got the third. I think Rossi got the second and you got the third, didn't you? And I got the third, the leveller, and then we went on to win. Yeah. It was just an incredible game. Um, and I remember only when Gleeson signed for us, that Gleeson was playing right back and it, it, I was his man and I scored. Um, so I never let him down with that. But yeah, no. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. So, yeah, just started the career, and, yeah, scoring a goal. Um, even even better in them circumstances to come back and they, we see them as a bit of a rival at the time. And yeah, it was it, it started it. But non-league was tough. It, I can't lie, it was tough. And I think myself included, that the the whole club, the fans, everyone thought, okay, we we're we're too big for this league, and we should be back where we should. And we should have, no doubt about that. But it, it was going to take time, and we thought we could do it straight away and there's there's good clubs and they, even now are strengthening even now in non-league and there's more money getting into it and better players are dropping out because they can get more money so it was it, it's a very very tough league but yeah it's I was dying to get back into the, the football league straight away more than anyone um, it didn't happen as quickly as obviously we wanted but that's football and we we, we knew the fans were desperate and uh, we 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 knew they'd stick by us, how loyal they are, and they'd keep backing us till the day. And we knew we knew the club would get back to where it could be and where it should be, where it is now. So for me, it was like I, it was a bit of a mission for me personally, and I took it personal every time we'd lose or every season had come to an end and we didn't go up. I'd take it personal, and it ruined my whole summer off. Um, but that's only because it was it was everything to me playing for Luton and getting back into the football league and knowing everyone personally and. And it, it ruined fans summer as well as mine. So yeah, I had a lot to to lot to to do for myself. But one of the sort of well, I don't, I don't know if I should use the word benefits of being in non-league, is that you got to represent England C the following month. So you made your debut. What was that like to put you, put the England shirt on? Yeah, it's um, so it come around. I didn't really 
being honest, I never heard of the England C setup or anything about it before I, I come into the conference. And um, yeah, I got pulled into the office again and, and Fairclough was on the phone and he, he said, Jake, I want you to come play for England C. It's sort of the best, the best players we see in our opinion to represent England at non-league level. We'll play good size, the setup's brilliant and sort of persuaded me to do it. And I didn't need any persuasion. As soon as you hear England in any sort of format, you sort of like, wow, okay. Um, so yeah, went along to England C and really, really enjoyed it. The setup they've got there is fantastic. Um, amazing experience. Great lads. You'd see you, you play on the weekends and you sort of get to know them as well. The, the sort of the young up and coming players. Um, and you get obviously all the scouts that want to come watch you because you play for the England C and you get these rumours and everything like that. So it does build up at your profile, but it was just, yeah, you get a proper England cap and I, was, I played it, I don't know, I think I ended up playing seven times in the end. Um, so yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And you play good sides. I remember playing at Luton at Kenilworth Road and we played Belgium. Um, no one thought there'd be like a Belgium 21 side, the actual side, and Courtois was in goal. And you just think, at now I'm thinking, blimey, like, I didn't realise who the lanky keeper was, but he's one of the best in the world, bought for stupid money. Um, and I got mal a match against him. So I sort of, it's just, it's just crazy when you think back to your memories at the club and things like that, you, you just don't realise. Me and Simon are both smiling there because we've both got a little agenda of things we want to talk to you about. And <laughs> that, was, that was a couple of uh, couple yeah. of down the line, actually, that one at Kenworth Red. Actually, Amari Morgan-Smith was um, one of your teammates that day, wasn't he? And Morgs was, yeah. And Barnes Homer got the winner. Yeah, Barnes scored. He actually scored. I know yeah. the fans are probably thinking, why didn't he do that more for Luton? But Barnes was a good lad. Um, and it's just one of the things with Barnsley when he comes to Luton, he, it just didn't click for him. And with strikers, unless you, you score straight away and you get on a run, then it's tough to, to you know, go into a club like Luton, paid money for him, expected a lot from him with Richard Money, didn't work out. But I honestly see hundreds of players through my time at Luton um, and Barnsley deserved to do better, but it, it just didn't work. It just didn't, it just one of the things, it didn't click with him in the club and the management or whatever, it just didn't work. Um, but like I say, I see so many players like that. And uh, there was one game in particular for England C. You scored the goal in a in a one nil win over Estonia. Yeah, yeah. So the the memory I think more of my goal is the the flight I had, what well, we had with England to Estonia. Um, I must have lost about a stone in sweat. The turbulence was ridiculous, um, and I'm not a great flyer as it is. But it was honestly. A, it was crazy. It, it was, I actually thought that was it. I was thinking about, you know, texting people. It was, that, it was that frightening, honestly. We landed and it was like a relief. Played the game. I was playing in like the centre-attacking centre mid-roll, um, if you like. I think behind Barnes-Homer, actually. And I honestly don't remember the goal because I was on the floor. Um, I got taken out and I, I think I tapped it in or it went in, but I got given the goal. So I was just sort of like, I've scored for England. Um, this is amazing. But yeah, I can't remember the goal. Between that goal and your appearance at uh, Kenilworth Road for England C in the game you talked about, you actually made your 100th appearance um, for Luton in the December 2010. I mean, not too bad considering the, the age you were at the time. You, you kept playing. Um, yeah. Wasn't the best of games, though, a nil-nil draw against Welling in the FA Trophy? Yeah, I can't remember too much about the game and that probably says why, because it was a nil-nil. Um, you never expected to even play even close to that amount of games um, at that age. But I was, 
it, I kept myself so on top of it with fitness-wise at that age, and I was so eager to keep fit and play as many games as I could. And I was lucky I didn't really get injuries. It took me a long, long time into my career before I started to pick up little things. And But it's sort of my determination to put me through where instead of me saying probably for a game I, I'm 60, 60% fit, like I'd pull out, I'd always train on the Friday, so I'd be available for selection. It was one of my downfalls in a way because I'd probably play when I shouldn't have and probably not, you know, play as well as I probably should have. And it reflects me and, you know, fans being fans, being, you know, they have opinions on you and it, it reflects you as a person and player. So that was probably one of my downfalls that I, I was, you know, I would never not want to play a game. And if I didn't play, then I wouldn't be the happiest person in the world, put it that way. And at that time, you were you were winning the Young Player of the Season awards left, right and centre. And I think it was the following season you made it three in a row for the 2010, well, that season, 2010-11 you know, three young player of the water seasons. But again, sadly, the season didn't quite finish as you would have liked from a club perspective, the playoff defeats against uh, AFC Wimbledon. Yeah, um, I remember that game uh, just because of the fact it was at Man City, for one. Um, and we obviously thought, oh, every final was at Wembley, but I think the Champions League final was there for the first year. So we can, Messi took role over us. I don't know why, but he sort of, he took reign. And uh, yeah, Man City... Uh, Incredible occasion again, and I always remember it. I'm walking up to the start of the game, and the, the fire flares are going up next to you. And you sort of look at our end, the Hatter's end, and you see how full it is, and that the fans being Luton fans, as as we see it. And you sort of see Wimbledon not not obviously followed as well as they probably could have since MK Don's got formed. And you sort of just think, right, like we've got this behind us. We have to win. We have to win the game. It's, and me, you know, being in the conference, I was sort of like, there's no, we've come this far. I've played 48 games this season in the league. I'm not doing all this to get to a playoff final to lose. I can't obviously control as much as I could. It, Yeah, I always remember it. Last minute, I got the ball at left wing of normal time. I've sort of crossed it into Jason Walker. He's got up like he always did, like a salmon got up, brilliant header. And I thought, yep, that's it. I've literally celebrated. And he's hit the bottom of the post and I just thought that. This is it. This is not our day, regardless. Uh, went to extra time. I think both t- both teams missed like glorious opportunities and tired legs, and as as it happens, went to penalties. Um, and straight away, I said, "Yeah, I want to. I want to take a penalty, regardless. It's, it's pressure. It is what it is, and this is it." But I sort of I wanted to be fifth, to be honest with you, because if we did get to that point, then I could be that guy. You know, every player does, where it's like, "Oh, I scored the winning penalty," um, but I got put fourth. Um, Laws missed, Walker missed. We were still in it, I think. And then I think if I missed, we would have lost. But they scored theirs. I, put, I went up. So nervous. I can't explain the nerves you get, even from a normal penalty. But for a playoff final, with so much riding on it for a club. Um, yeah, I scored. And then Kedwell obviously scored. And, and that was it. But I always remember it. But that hit, that hit me hard, um, that one. Just because I thought that that season we, we were strong. Um, well, I thought that that was it. We would we'd win the league and we'd walk away with it. But it didn't happen. Got to the final. I thought Wimbledon was stronger than them. I remember playing them in the in the league twice, and I think we we beat them both times. If I'm, I'm right, or we did well against them. But I I was just I felt so confident. Um, yeah, it didn't happen, and, and that's football. But yeah, I learned you, like I, like I said, I learned from that season and that that experience again, and I took another memory from that scoring a penalty in the playoff final and. 
and playing at Manchester City's ground, I don't think a lot of people get the chance to say that and do that. So I was, I was so lucky in that sense. Yeah, that season, uh, all of us, I think, actually, mate. Um, The following season ended in, well, quite the same way. But before we got there, you had more international honours come your way with your first Wales under-21 appearance. How did did that come about? Because obviously you've played for England, it's England, and then Wales under-21s. Yeah, it it, it was an odd one. Um, So Brian Flynn, the ex-Wales international, who, um, if you ever meet Flynnie, you're... 100% 100% get told about his header against Brazil. The smallest guy in the world and he will not stop talking about it. He, I think every camp I went with the Wales squad, he put it up on a video as soon as we got there. You'd watch his goal and you'd sort, you'd sort of have to wait for Blinney to tell you about it every time. But he was he was a brilliant guy. Um, I think, well, I know he was watching me a few games at, at Kenilworth Road, um, got in touch with the club, the manager, and just said, look, is he eligible to play for Wales? We're really interested in to come represent at, at under-21 level. Um, I got I obviously just said, yeah, I'd love to see how this works and sort of what, what would happen. Went from England C to this Wales under-21. I think it was the Euro qualifiers at the time we were doing. And I got called out. I think the first game was Hungary um, in, in Wales. And I always remember it because I turned up to the camp, didn't know anyone. I, I was sort of the non-league guy that got called up to, to Wales international football. These boys were at Swansea, Cardiff and... Crystal Palace, Johnny Williams and, and clubs like that and just on the fringes of the first team there and I got called up and I was sort of like all right, I'd, you know just do it get on with it and the standard of the training sessions was frightening um, it was a level that I hadn't experienced as of yet at international football at non-league level it was sort of I wasn't expecting I was I felt the first training session I was like wow I'm nowhere near these guys at the minute I need to sort of you know look, this is not going to be an easy ride this isn't going to be you know, your best non-league players you've got. You've got people that are training with Premier League players. So I changed the way I, I sort of approached it. I played, he played in centre midfield the first game, um, which I, I wasn't used to playing at the time. Happy to do it. And then he moved me out wide. And yeah, got to play in international games. And we didn't qualify for the Euros that year, but at the same time, I'd get called up to the camps and I, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, playing these, these odd countries that had the most ability I've ever seen, like Montenegro, you know, players that never really made a name for themselves. But these, these guys were technically ridiculous how good they were. Um, yeah, it was, just, it was a great experience again. And obviously got too old to play under 21 and didn't get fortunate enough to get to the first team squad. But I was on, I was on backup or, you know, the, the backup squad to, to the first team at one point, which was a which was amazing just to be in that sort of collection. So, yeah, I was just just so lucky, honestly. I, I can't say how lucky I was to have the career and enjoyed that side of it so, as much as I did. So Mick told you earlier on in your career that you were going to get to play at Wembley. And at the end of that season, you did. And I've got to say, it's probably the hardest day I've had as a Luton fan, that playoff final, just the manner of their winning goal. But what were the memories from that day? Apart from the goals being ridiculous and the second goal being three yards offside um, and Keno telling us for about five years that his, his man was offside and we, we were just like, Keno, you shouldn't have let him go. But apart from that, it was another amazing day, another very, very hot day. I remember it. Um, I was playing left back. I remember I was playing against the winger, who's called Matty Blair at the time. I heard loads about him, good player. I remember playing him in the season, um, playing him a few years before. And I knew he was a good player. I knew he was quick. Um, I actually had a not bad game, to be fair, against him. I remember it second half, it was 
they just scored and we knew it was offside and they, they obviously got given. Um, I, I took a foul on him on the byline just in front of our fans. And as he was on the floor and the ball was there, I sort of looked down at him and he sort of grinned at me. I'm not look, one bit aggressive as a player, um, but a lot of players do look, like, use a few tactics in that. And I sort of like walked past him. I thought, that's like the worst thing you can ever see. But I thought, do you know what? If I get another chance, I'm going to try and snap him. But for the rest of the game, I don't think he went near me anyway. But it was just that whistle went. And I, I remember I, I collapsed on the floor, just looking up at Wembley. And obviously you see the fans and it's just... I had tears in my eyes. It was just, you can't describe it. And it being York, it was just like an even bigger dagger in the heart. And um, yeah, it was just, it, I, I, obviously my family, my friends were there and it, it's just heartbreaking. It really is to do all of that through the season, go through all these emotions of winning games, losing to games where you should win and tough nights on a Tuesday night where you'd get fans travel up to an Accrington away and, and just crazy things like that you, you appreciate. And then it comes down to the 90 minutes of football and the pressures, it's, it's undescribable, the pressure you have. But at the same time, the feeling you get that you're going to represent a club in the biggest game right now for them in their history. And it, that was the biggest game for Luton. Without doubt, at that time, that was the biggest, getting out of non-league was the biggest thing Luton's ever history, in my opinion. Um, and it, it, yeah, it hurt. It hurt a lot. But I think that was a changing point at the same time. I do really believe that as a club, as, as a player that stayed at the club, I do believe that changed us a lot. And we learned a lot from that. Um, and I think fans did as well. I think they, they, they thought, you know what, as much as these guys are doing, it just weren't their time then. Um, and it, the, our time was coming. It was sort of brewing up. And it, it was just, just going to take one season to clip. And um, yeah, the rest is... It's good history. Well, yeah, an absolute gutting day at Wembley there, Jake. Um, that summer, I don't know if you were away, you will remember, at 21 years old, you actually became the club's longest-serving player um, after, you mentioned him, Keith Keane um, yeah. left. I mean, how did that feel at the time? That Obviously, a lot of changes and a lot of players coming and going. You're one of the youngest and you're the longest-serving. Yeah. Yeah, weird. I don't think there was any 21-year-olds that were at that sort of position that I was in at the time. But I was proud. I was so proud to represent the club as much as I did. Um, Keno leaving and moving on to, you know, play higher was something he needed to do at the time because he, he deserved it and he needed to do that. He'd done as much as he could at Luton. Um, and he, he moved on and other various players moved on. But I was so determined that my mission was to get back into the Football League of Luton. I felt that it was something that I needed to do and I experienced every minute of it with the fans. And I, I wouldn't be able to move on. I did have great offers, brilliant clubs that were so interested and calling me all the time. Well, not me, myself, but agent and asking the club, what's, what's the price on this guy's head and things like this. But it just never occurred to me to even think about it at the time. It was, it was like, I'm playing for Luton Town and my mission, I've come out of the league. I've gone through the hardest thing you can in football, two relegations on the bounce. We're now in long league and we're getting averaging 8,000 people at home. It's, it's, it's unbelievable, the club, and what it does to you. And it was part of me, it's my family, that I, I didn't feel, it didn't sit with me well that we were non-league. It just didn't. It, it was a personal a grudge. And I enjoyed every minute of the seasons in non-league. Don't get me wrong. And clubs in there, you know, take for granted. They might be part-time, but they, they give it as much as any full-time players in clubs. But it, yeah, it was, uh, 
it was it was a good achievement. I was proud to be the longest serving, and the games just kept racking up, and I was sort of going season to season and, and playing 30, 40 games a season and enjoying every minute of it. I just didn't want it to end, to be honest. Um, you made um, your 200th appearance that following season as well. Um, another cup game and another classic. It was a 1-1 draw against Nuneaton. I mean, yeah. the landmarks weren't great games so far for no. you, were they? No, do you know what? And I'm, and I'm guessing you're going to come up with the 300th as well, which um, is another one where, yeah, it, it's just one of the things. But it wasn't that for me. It was sort of, at the time, my mission, like I say, was to get us out of non-league. And if I could do as much as I can to do that, then I would. And it's just an absolute bonus that I was playing and I got to a milestone of 200 games and must have been 22, 23 years old. And it, it was unheard of in any league at that time. I think I, I, I see stats at the time, maybe from yourself, just putting up that there's not anyone my age played this many games, this many games consistently in a row. I was just, I was just loving it. And I, I, like I say, I was playing games when I shouldn't have played games, but I was so frightened of not just losing my place in the team, but like I say, I wanted to play every minute I can. And if I wasn't, then I feel like I'm letting myself down and everyone else down because I feel I could give as much as I can to the club. And that Nuneaton game in the FA Cup, of course, led on to what was a tremendous um, cup run, um, beating Wolves at Kenilworth Road, Alex Lawless scoring. But then the big day out, Premier League, Carrow Road, Norwich City, yeah. non-league Luton go there. I mean, just talk to us about that day. What an absolutely incredible afternoon. Incredible. It was. It, so we obviously, we went up to the Friday night. We stayed up in Norwich on the Friday evening and... There was fans there and it, we was interacting like we always try to do. And we had our meal and everything was going great. And you have your team meetings and you go through Norwich players and you're just thinking at the time, like, blimey, I'm not, I didn't think of a Harry Kane as this superstar at the time, but it's Harry Kane. There's, you know, where's Houlihan, there's Grant Holt and there's players, Leon was there and you're just thinking, blimey, all right, okay, like, I'm marking this dude. Russell Martin's the right back, he's club captain. This is who, this is who I'm up against playing left midfield. And you just think, wow. You had all BBC, you had Sky Sports all around the hotel and the hype was just mental. But we, we just see it as, a, as a, a weekend away. It was We had no, no pressure at all. No one expected anything from us. We expected to lose 3-4-0 and these guys were going to be miles ahead of us. And, you know, Luton weren't nowhere near to be good enough to play with these guys. And, yeah, just go out there and work hard. Um, and to be fair to Buckle, he always said, look, this... this I've got a feeling and as players we did have a little feeling on the morning of the game we had breakfast and everyone was buzzing obviously and we we only could be excited because it was something we can it was it was no lose for us because we were doing we had an amazing cup run and we had a great squad and we were just enjoying football and we were playing Norwich away in the FA Cup fifth round where if we lost 3-0 no one would think worse of us but at the same time we're about to play at Carroll Road packed house they've got pressure on them they need to win. We we can just enjoy football. Um, yeah, and you just it was just it was it was a massive bubble where you just everything was it was our day and you you felt it. You arrived at Carroll Road. Um, we was in the warm up and obviously the Luton Luton fans were straight away. It was packed. Friends, family, of fans. It was it was packed and you knew something something was in the air that day for us. It, and it, I'm not saying it was luck because it definitely wasn't luck because we worked hard, but it was just our day. Um, and I think every Norwich player at the end of the game come up to and said, look, you deserve it. What, how you played there, regardless what league you're in, you deserve to beat us. And in football, it comes to who turns up on the day. And we did. And 
it was it was amazing to be to be fair. It was absolutely amazing. And now seeing people like Harry Kane who come off at half time because he wasn't doing it, and England's England's top goal scorer and England's best striker by a mile is yeah, it's it's surreal. It really is. But it was an incredible day. Um and, and the club needed that little boost as well. Um we needed to make that happen. And does the game I mean the memories of actually the ninety minutes, is it a whir? Is it just all blur, you know, everything's gone through, or is there bits you remember and um do you know what there is bits. There was Andre got in a couple of times. Um or Shorey, or was it? I think there was first half. I crossed one in back post. I think Shorey had a header. I think he tried to head it back across the Wanderer, and if it did, it's a goal. And I think he put it into the keeper's arms. But as a game, I watched it the other day. Luton put it on their Twitter. I watched the full game. Um, I weren't missing it. I, I knew I played 90 minutes, so it's definitely one I was watching. Um, yeah, and I watched the whole game. And as a team, we were just resilient. It, they could have been there all day. Tiles pulled off some unbelievable saves, like he always did. Um, I think the header where Grant Holt headed one back across and he somehow saved it like Tyler did. And um, yeah, it was just, it was incredible. And then we brought JJ on fresh leg, Ren's come on and we just had that bit of fresh legs in us and we, we, we got to 60 minutes, it was still nil-nil. The fans were sort of getting on their back a little bit and we sort of see it and we was like, Do you know what, let's dig in here because we, we're going to get a chance. We're, something's going to come up and we've got the chance and Poacher, Ren's doing what Poacher does, scores goals like he has his whole career and, and put it away and we then knew it was going to be backs to the wall because they're Prem side, they need to win, they need to get back in it. But I think at that point, even if you said to us at the start, take a draw, take them back, we would have been delighted. But yeah, we stuck it out and everyone put a shift in and it, it, the feeling at the end was, it was party time for us. It was just amazing, amazing, amazing memory. I mean, the, yeah. the goal itself, what do you remember of, of the whole move and watching it happen in front of you and then the celebrations? So I got put into centre midfield then. It was, I think, 20 minutes left. Bucks put me in centre midfield and I was thinking, Christ, I haven't got any legs here. I've been running after the right back most of the game. Put me in the middle, put JJ out left midfield, put Renz on, Fleetzer's on. And I remember it breaking down the left-hand side and JJ got in, fresh legs, ran past it. I think he ran off the back of their centre midfield runner. He got in down that side, travelled with it. And I still remember Renz's movement now. We always see it in training. Renz's comparison is like Giroud where he'd make the same movement to the front post you knew Renz was going to be there he'd go to what take the defender back post and take him front and he'd, he'd be there he'd just in that toe in front of him and I remember JJ holding on to it there was a split second he held on to it to give Renz that half a second half a yard and he got in front of him and um, yeah it just we just went mental and somehow found a 100 meter sprint to, to the corner to celebrate and it, yeah it, it was it was crazy but a great, great memory, a great weekend, and we enjoyed it as players as much as the fans did. And then, I mean, you talk about the fans there, the final whistle goes, not only is it relief, but just pure celebration, and there's 4,000 plus Luton fans there that you've all gone over to, and then obviously there's all the euphoria in the papers and all the press and all the attention that you're getting. I mean, what was that like as, as a young player to be in the team, a non-league team that's beaten Premier League? It was, it was a... a a day in history and there's, it's still there now and people still talk about it now and I know, I know Luton fans definitely do. Um, and it, yeah, it's just the, the press that we had at the training ground the, the week we went back to training was just incredible and everyone wanted to be around Luton Town which felt a little bit like when we were League 1, League 2 at the, funny enough because everyone was wanting to interview me and interview players and interview the staff and be like how does it feel and does it reflect your league form? Does it this? Does it that? And then you sort of get the press were like, 
how comes they can do it in the FA Cup but not the league? And you get the tougher questions and you, you deal with that side of it. But it, it just the whole the whole expense of it and the day of it was just incredible. And we celebrated it and rightly the fans did as well. And we enjoyed every minute of it. And to be honest, when we knew we had Millwall in the cup the next round, we thought, hold on a minute, at home, Millwall, struggling championship side, is this, can, can we do it again? And yeah, it wasn't our day. But it, the, the, the journey to, to there was, was amazing. Unfortunately, that season kind of fizzled out really, didn't it, Jake? But you mentioned a minute ago that our time was coming and, well, obviously we now know that it came the following season. And it was actually you that kind of kicked that season into life for Kidderminster. We weren't really going great places at the start of that season under John Steele, were we? But he brought Benno in. I think that was Benno's debut at Kidderminster and we won a couple of penalties put away by yourself. Had you put yourself forward as our sort of penalty taker that season or did still I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you've asked that because I never did put myself forward um, so we was at Kidderminster so got the first penalty I think the first one was where the keepers completely took Benno out off the boys Benno's were going to tap it in the goal and crazily the keeper just took him out it was like a rugby tackle the ball then got kicked over to the left hand side I think we had a few fans there as well and I went and got it thinking oh yeah, I'll chuck it to Benno or something someone else will take this I've, I've been here for years I've never took a penalty chucked it and um, picked the ball up and everyone sort of just left me to it and I carried on walking and everyone was like go on then put it away put the ball on the spot and I was thinking blimey no one's no one's saying I'll take this or Benno was thinking didn't say anything and they were just like go on then how's he put it away I was like yeah right no worries um, I'll do that then put it away luckily the first one went in the keeper went the wrong way so then from then everyone thought blimey this guy's like a penalty penalty guru he can score penalties now he's, he's going to be on it Thinking, right, one nil, seal this, done. Anyway, 10, 15 minutes later, we've got another one. I thought, oh, God, I've never had two penalties in a game, never had one penalty in a game. Like, do I go the same way? Do I try and, you know, trick the keeper, mind games? And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know what to do. Anyway, I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to hit it hard and low. Whatever happens, happens. If it hit the target, then I've done it. I'll hit it. And I remember looking up and I'm seeing the ball bounce high. And I thought, oh, God, this is going to go out. He's going to save this. And it went through his legs, but hit the top roof of the goal and I slowly jogged over to the fans and was like celebrating but I was thinking blindly that obviously was a massive relief because they were coming back into the game and like you say our season was sort of fizzling it wasn't really going anywhere and um, yeah from there it kick-started our season Andre then started to score goals played more regularly uh, I remember setting him up against Woking away where he put one away where he kick-started his season personally and Things like that. It just little. It take, that's all it takes in football. It's just a, a little thing like that. For Andre scoring that goal, he's one on one. His confidence sort of come in. Started the next game, started scoring, and we then had a settled eleven where we went on a, 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 a unbelievable run. And we, everyone knew their jobs. Everyone knew what was going on, and it was just an enjoyable, enjoyable period where it was easily the best season I've ever had, and the, the best group and the memories I've had in every game. It's, it's just amazing. And I see the goals were obviously put up the other day. And I, well, I think it was last night, actually. I've, I've looked through them. And just to, just to remind myself how amazing it was. And games like Dart for the Way, where Pelly put one top corner, where things like that. And Andre scored a header. And Andre hated headed the ball. So it's just, it's just, it's just mad, the little things like that. And Cully scoring against Cambridge away, where he sort of bicycle kicked it into the goal. one all where we hated Cambridge at the time. And it, the memories, it was... It, amazing amazing season that I'm so grateful for and obviously the best feeling of 
of promotion where I can't describe the, the emotions I had personally with my association with the club, but for, for everyone around the club, the, the town, it, it just was like a massive relief. And I remember we finished the season at home and we got crowned the champions. And I remember walking around, obviously, fans come on and I had that medal around me. And I just remember just how grateful I was that it was sort of like a relief off my shoulders where I got, I've, I've experienced all the negative and now the club, the fans, it, all that emotion was coming back to me where I was stood up where all the fans, you know, were singing songs below us and all, that, all the players were, were stood there singing with the microphone. It was just, I, I can't describe it. And they had the, had the, you know, the parade through the town centre and the thousands of fans that come out to support us. It was just, it, it was so emotional for me personally. And I never showed it, but it was inside, it was such a relief. Um, and it meant absolutely everything to me in my football career. And easily the best, uh, or on par with making my debut. But it was the, the best achievement I've, I've had in football by a long, long way. And I was so proud to do it in that, that fashion. Um, and I knew then Luton were, were going to go back to where they, they should be and could be. And I, I sort of, you know, that mission was completed. And that, that summer was the best summer I could have had. Not only celebrating with the boys, we went away. Like a few, a few of the boys we were close. We went away, but it was just a relief for me personally. It was, it was incredible. I mean, an incredible season, Jake, and so many matches that we could talk about and discuss some huge wins. But one of the games that always seems to stick in the mind for, for fans is Barnet at home and, and the weather. I mean, yeah. what, what could you recall of that? I mean, amazing. It should never have been on. It, and like everyone knows that it never should have been. We don't know how it was on. We don't know why it was on. But in the warm-up, we were sort of coming in thinking, right, they call it off now anyway. This is it. Right, get ready. He's going to call it off. Get changed. And we'll be in training Monday. Didn't come. And, and then the gaffer come in. He said, no, it's on. He, he's playing it. And we were like, but the, the ball doesn't move, gaffer. Like, what? So you had to literally shoot for the ball to move. It was, it, it was crazy. And I remember... The, the weather didn't ease up either and, and we thought right 30 minutes in right just call it a day no one's going to score a goal here Andre scored after 30 seconds and just thinking right like he's now we're winning we've got to go win this now <laughs> I was thinking great Andre is, is absolutely weighing it down here let's just get off because the, the game should never have been on um, but he was delighted he got another a goal to the tally and he was, <laughs> he, was, he was closer to top goal scorer so it should never have been on but it was one of them things another memory and um in that season, everything was part of the journey and that was part of the journey. And we talked about some high scoring games. I mean, you averaged about a goal just over about every 10 games or so, but um, you had a good run in the February. Um, three goals in three consecutive games, a 7-0, a 5-0 and a 5-0. I mean, that was quite a run that, wasn't it? I've never, ever done that and I never, ever will do that again. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, to score anyway is, is great. But I always felt as a player scoring at Luton if I scored one like most players I'm guessing they, they get their tail up and you think hold on I can probably grab another in knowing the form we were in the team we had the players we had I always felt that I could always grab a, a couple more playing a bit higher on the left so yeah I, I, and John always said to me you need to score more playing you in this position I think you need to score more goals and I always thought yeah I could more assists more goals I can do this a little bit more so adding goals every 10 games I probably could I should have scored a lot more as well I remember missing chances or opportunities like you do. Um, but yeah, I, I probably should have had a lot more that season. But I think that all, the, all the goals were going the other way to Benno, you know, Guts and, and Andre that season. But 
the main the main aim for me was winning games and, and getting up. And uh, as you've said, we achieved it. Great for yourself, great for the club, great for the supporters, and uh, fantastic that we got out of uh, the non-league. Back in the football league then for the 2014-15 season, and we spoke about landmarks. And finally, when we reach 300 games, we get a victory away at Plymouth. You've you've had a long way to travel, but the three yeah. points, your 300th game for Luton Town. I think you were the youngest player. We discussed it post-match. You were the youngest player to reach that landmark for Luton Town Football Club. I mean, a tremendous achievement. Yeah, so, so proud of, of that achievement. Um, when I set out as a youth team player, I never thought I'd, I'd reach 300 appearances at Luton Town. But it, it's um, obviously it would have been nice to be a home game where I could have celebrated with, with all the family and the fans. But you can't pick the games. And Plymouth was a tough game, tough, tough place to go. Um, good, good side. And we went there and we won 1-0. I didn't have the best of games, to be completely honest with you. I was probably absolutely rubbish. But I just remember it was sort of just enjoying it, just thinking, wow, I've played 300 games here for, for Luton Town. And the fans appreciated it, the, you know, the, the, the people that come down. And it's, it, is, it is a massive, massive achievement for me. And to, to get to 300 games the quickest, I suppose, in, in front of these legendary players over the years at Luton Town, it was to be recognised in that sort of category was... It, even now, it's, it's a great achievement. I'm so proud of it. Um, I didn't know how many games I would have played a lot more, but at that time, to play 300 was a, a milestone that I was so proud of. And you've obviously had a great career at Loon by this time, Jake, and we get through to the summer uh, of 2015, and then it broke that um, you'd requested, you requested to leave the club. Just talk to us about that, how that came about, what you were thinking. Yeah, so well, John was obviously... He was there. He was manager. We, we fizzled out. We were top at Christmas or, or around the top two in League Two at the time and everything was going great, playing games. We fizzled out, didn't end the season in the playoffs. Um, come to the end of the season, and it got to a point for me where I, I got to a point where I felt like I, I got too comfortable as a person, as a footballer. Um, and I felt like I wasn't giving everything I could of to the club, to myself. And I was not cheating myself, but... I got way too comfortable and I come away from what I could have. And I think that I got the impression that I was part of the furniture at the football club. And that's something I never, ever wanted to do because that's not me. I always try and be the best I can. And I think my appearances were, I, I, everyone see, I always worked as hard as I can. I, I'm always last to, to run as much as I can. But it, it got to a point where League Two finished. I, I reached my mission of getting the club back on track. And that was, that was the biggest thing I could have ever, ever have done for the club. And it got to a point where I needed to, a new experience. I loved everything, everyone. Um, there was no bad blood with the club. And I sort of thought about it. It took me a long time to think about it. And it was not an easy decision. And I, I never thought of doing it. I had a year left on my contract. So it wasn't like I was being forced. And I just took a thought of it. And I spoke to my family, my closest friends. And I just, I said, look, I'm, I'm wasting myself I'm wasting my opportunity in football I'm not giving everything I can I'm, I'm way too comfortable and I need to be looked at as a different player than he's be, he's part of the furniture at Lewin Town now and I needed to experience another changing room I needed to experience another environment I needed to test myself personally and a selfish decision it was at the time I had to do that um, it it was it was tough and Looking back at it, was it the, the best decision? Probably not. 
being honest, probably not. And it was, I regretted it in a way a few, a few years after, I completely did. But at that time, it was definitely the right thing for me personally to do. Um, and I rang John and John was, was great about it. He completely understood and he said, look, this happens in football. You've been at the club a long time. I know you want to test yourself. Um, I was not once turned at any point by other clubs at this point. I knew clubs may be interested. I hope they'd be interested. But sat down with John. I had a phone call, plenty of phone calls with John. I said, look, I need to, I need to experience something here. I've, I've experienced the highest, the lowest of Luton Town Football Club. I love everyone at the club, everyone associated. And it's with heavy heart, I'm, I'm going to ask if I can move on, if, if, if that's possible. And he... Not, no one stayed, you know, stayed in, in front of me to stop me moving on. And they were obviously like, we want you to stay. You, you're a great asset and, and things like that, which I, I massively you know, appreciated. But I then had to look and speak to clubs and, and see if there was interest. In, and the club, rightly so, put a, a price tag on my head where they thought I was worth money and they deserved money for me if I was going to go to another League Two side. They, they said, look, we, you're going to be playing against us we'd be foolish to say, yep, we let Jake go for free and he's just scored two against us or, you know, that he's just been in, involved in a side that's got promotion. Um, and I, in, a, in a funny old way, I always wanted to go back to Luton, 100%. Um, and yeah, it did materialise and that's football. They turned down a few offers. That's football. I got on with it. That's, that's how it is. They, you know, put me out of the squad, took my squad number completely appreciated it, got on with it, trained with the youth team for every day. Didn't the season wasn't working out how it how it was for any reason possible. Nothing personally I maybe felt like I could have added. Um, when things didn't go, you know, through with the offers. Felt like I could have definitely added, but I appreciated that I chose to move on. So you you, you deal with that. Um, and John left the club um, halfway just after well just before or just after Christmas, I think it was and Andy Offord then got put in, put in charge. Uh, the first day back, Andy, I've been training with one-on-ones, um, called me into the office with Gary, Gary Sweet, um, and he said, look, I need you to be playing for us. We need a lift. You've always been the player over the years to give the club a lift, as in your performances, where you'd get the, the, the crowd behind you by chasing down the keeper or doing something that would get the crowd going. I've always been that sort of known as that player to do that. Um, and he said, and I said to him, being honest, I'm not match fit. I was overweight. And the first game was exit away. And he said, look, you're traveling. You're going to get your first, your, your squad number back. Um, and Gary said, look, you obviously see now it probably wasn't the best choice. And I said, yeah, Gary, look, I hold my hands up. I wanted to, you know, venture into something else. And, and, and that's football. But I now appreciate a lot more what Luton Town is to me. Um, and maybe in hindsight, I needed that boost because I got way too comfortable. And uh, yeah, it, I got put in the squad. We, we beat Exeter away. I, I played really well. And then for then, I, I stayed in the squad and then got myself match fit. Uh, obviously, Nathan Jones come in. Uh, when was it? January, February time Nathan Jones got appointed. So Nathan Jones come in. I was fit. I was match fit playing every game. New manager come in. Everyone rises their game. That, that's football. I was playing left back at the time. No one knew much about Nathan coming in. Young manager, enthusiastic, passionate, come in. Um, I've got to be honest, I've never seen a manager so passionate, so dedicated. Training sessions, every, every inch, every mile he could, he could, he, he did. And I've never seen a manager do that in my whole career. Even training, little things. He, 
he wouldn't let you get away with anything. And he was, he was brilliant. He really was. And I played, I was playing every game left back for Nathan, doing really well. Um, got on really well with him. Playing in front of, of Potsy, obviously, who's a recognised left back, I suppose, from, from West Ham, and who's a, who's a good player. And playing every game, and I, he, he couldn't drop me. He said, I can't drop you. Um, no matter what the board say to me or anyone says to me, I want to be playing you and, and that's football. Played, kept playing, doing really well. Come, got an injury, um, had to have a knee operation. I then got back fit three weeks sooner. I knew my contract was up. Got back three weeks sooner than I did. Worked really hard with, with Simon, the physio and Daz. Um, Nathan Jones was obviously delighted to, to see someone work so hard and wanted to come back fit. Got back in the team, not in the same position in the diamond. I played on the left side of diamond. Um, and he said, look, I think you can do a job for us here. I think you can, you can do really well for us. And I thought in a way it did suit me, not being the quickest of left wingers anyway, being an inside left-footed player. I thought it could suit me and it did. We played and I remember it, the last game at home and he sort of rang me off, not knowing full well it could have been my last game, but there was an inkling of me knowing coming off and seeing the fans, you know, everyone standing ovation. I, there was a bit of me like, this, this could be it. Um, and yeah, it was a proud moment to, to know that this could be it, but that's how it emerged. Um, looking back at it, was it the best decision at the time? For me personally, I needed that change and I had to be selfish. Football was in the long career and I had to be selfish with it. Made me appreciate massively what a club uh, Luton was. And um, yeah, went on loan to Yeovil in that time as well. Um, enjoyed that, done a month there, but I didn't. I needed that boost. I needed that kick up the backside, to be honest, and experience Yeovil. That month at Yeovil, I learned so much of how much I love Luton Town. Knowing I did anyway, but didn't realise how much I appreciated it and how much, how good it was, to be honest with you. I, did, I didn't appreciate it and I needed that. Um, so looking at it, the decision to transfer request, did it, did it in the wrong way? Maybe, I don't know. It, it was a decision I had to make at the time and looking back at it, I probably should have just shut up shop and just said, look, carry on playing, come back fit as ever again. Um, and who knows, I might still be at Luton then, or now, sorry. Um, but it didn't. And everyone, you know, journeys and, and routes in life you take differently. And I'm, I'm so proud of my whole career in general, but that was the end of my Luton career and always wished I could go back to Kenilworth Road. Um, yeah, I'm so proud. I'm so proud and and I've got never, ever a bad word about Gary, the, the, the board, Dave Wilkins, anyone at all. Because I, I love every one of them. And I even went out for a meal maybe a year ago now. I see Gary there with his wife and had a catch-up. And even now, Gary said, how did you not play in the, at least the Premier League Championship with your ability at 17, 18? And I said, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't, it just didn't plan out like that, Gary. Um, and he said, "You, when I see you make your debut and play in League One League football, you should have played championship at least for at least five, six years with your desire, your dedication, your ability, being left-footed. You should have done it. And I said, look, it, it happens in football, but thank you for everything. And we still stay in touch. So it's amazing. I mean, obviously, sad time for a long-serving player like yourself be released by the club after such a long career and you just say decisions that are made you learn from those but just a few stats for you I know you you, you know that I like my stats so I thought yes, uh, which yeah, area, I mean, 334 appearances for Luton 31 goals you turned out to be the 16th in the all-time table for appearances um, 66 in the goal scorers 
And for the last decade, you were the fourth joint highest scorer um, alongside Danny Hilton, James Collins, uh, sorry, behind Danny Hilton, James Collins and Andre Gray and, and joint with Cameron McGeehan on 31 goals. I mean, you look back on your, your career and the stats that you've got there and something to be so proud of for, uh, for being a Luton Town player. It is, it's incredible. I'm so, so proud. I'm so fortunate. I'm so lucky. Um, and it, yeah, it fills me with happiness even look at, thinking about it, looking at it and speaking to you guys about it. I'm always so happy to talk about, you know, my career with Luton, with fans, absolutely anything at all. And I, when I can go back, I do. I've obviously still got friends at the club and in and around the club. And it's, I'm so proud and privileged to play that many games for the club. Um, never in a million years did I think I, I was going to experience it um, and experience the games and the, the, the grounds, the, the ups and the downs of football and the mentally, the challenges you go through. But it, it's amazing. And I'm so grateful for the club for giving me that opportunity through, to play them games, the managers, um, coming across all these players and making friendships for life. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it really is incredible and something I'm so proud of. And, it's, yeah, I, can't, I couldn't say any more better words about it, how happy I was with it and I am now with it. You certainly had a great um, Luton career, Jake, and we'll come on to sort of what's happened to you since then and, and the present in a minute. But, I mean, you were fortunate enough to play alongside some really good players at Luton, weren't you? I mean, just pick two or three out for us and sort of talk about how great they were. Do you know what? I'd probably say players you probably wouldn't probably think about as much, but players that you... That would were the, you knew you could rely on. If you went to war, you knew you could take these boys with you. Keno for one, Alex Lawless for one, and I felt me and Laws got on really well, really close with him. He so his first season, fans didn't really take to him as well as they could have or should have. Um, he found it tough, and I knew that personally. I knew he found it tough, him and his partner. But I knew deep down how Laws, how good Laws was, and how determined in his work rate, the fans would see how good he is. And from after that season, he became one of the icons of the club, of the team. And I'm so glad it did because he deserved every accolade he could have got. Um, then there's players that you come across with ability that you've, I've never seen. Paddy McCourt was outrageous. So some of the things I see in training was, was crazy. Even when I was 16, 15, 16, being around people like Dean Morgan, who were taking corners with both feet. Um, and then you'd, you'd watch him in training and you'd think, wow, like, this guy's another level. Um, and you, just, there's so many tiles. Mark Tyler over the year, I've never seen a better keeper in my life. It's just incredible what he did. And not being the biggest, but he'd, he'd put things out of the top corner. There's so many legends. Maka McNulty, the leader. People would look at him and think, Christ, he should be working in the bar. But knowing Maka, <laughs> if, if, if Maka wanted to, he, he could work in a bar, play on a Saturday and play drunk and be the best centre-half in the league. He was that good. He read the game that well. He was he was incredible. Um, there's so many, honestly, there's so many players that I've I've been so I've got to say, oh Kevin Nichols who mentored me, he looked after me coming through. Even people like Steve Robinson. It's 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 just it's it's the list is ongoing. Andre playing with Andre Gray and people like that, seeing him flourish into what he did. Even seeing JJ start you know start playing training with us in the first team towards the end of my career there. It is, it's, the list is non-stop, but people like Benson deserve the credit that Andre probably got because Benno did stuff that you wouldn't have seen or people didn't see as much. He was, he was a great, great, great guy and a great career. Um, yeah, it's just 
non-stop people like Freddie Murray. People didn't realise how much people like Freddie Murray did for the club. Um, yeah, just trying to think of people off the top of my head, but there's the list could go on and on and on. Um, Pelly turning up to the club. Remember his first game? He he come on at centre half, and I looked at him and I thought, Christ, this guy's legs are bigger than my arms, legs put together. <laughs> and he played centre half. I've never seen a centre back who denies to head the ball. And even now, I'm so close with him now off the pitch. He still denies heading the ball now. And watching him play for Luton still and going, racking up the games he is and go through the leagues he has, absolute legend in his own right for the club. And I hope he doesn't, but I, I hope he does play as many games as he can, but don't overtake me. But he's, he's a, yeah, someone who's I see as a, an icon for the club as well. He's seen the bad times as well as the good. So there's, there's non-stop names that... You, I could list all day long that I've been around and and witnessed and training ground staff and the stories are, are non-stop. But it, yeah, amazing, amazing time and so grateful to Mick for giving me the opportunity in the first place and all the managers to play me for, for all the games they did. And I mean, you've covered players there. I just want to get your, your thoughts on a couple of managers. You've kind of highlighted them already. Um, Mick and Simon's going to be doing a, a sort of chat with John Steele for the club next week. I mean, John Steele's a hero around here for what he did that season and quite rightly so. Every Luton fan uh, owes him an awful lot, as I'm sure you guys do. Just your thoughts on John Steele in particular. John was, John is, not was, sorry. John is a good, good friend of mine on and off the pitch. He, John's man management skills were the best I've ever seen. He would take the good things out of players and put them all together in one, sort of like a bit of a potion. He'd put all the good things, stir it all together, put them on the pitch, and it would work. He knew everything about non-league you could. He knew every player in non-league. He knew everyone's strengths, weaknesses. He knew how to play in every condition possible. He knew how to win games when you're 2-3-0 down or you're 2-3-0 up. He knew how to do everything you can in, in games. And I learned a hell of a lot from John. Um, and he's a good, good friend of mine. And he helped me personally as well with things off the pitch. And even now I speak to him, I text him and see how he's getting on. Obviously being at Hemel now, I played against Eastside Maidstone. I'll catch up with him in the, in, the, in the office after and have a beer with him. And even now he hasn't changed and we always have a catch up and he always says how he still talks to guys at the club and I still talk to the guys at the club. And he just says that it was, it was one of his highlights of his amazing, amazing long career. And we both just sort of, you know, it worked with me and John and he'd pull me in the office often with Terry and Hakan and we'd have chats about how we could improve, what we could do or what I could personally do. And he, he was just great. He's just, a, he's just a guy that everyone loves and rightly so because he deserves everything. Every bit of credit for what he did that season and everything he'd done for me personally, what platform he gave me, given, you know, getting us out of that league is the mission that he helped complete for me as well. And John's yeah, John's a legend, and he deserves every everything. You mentioned Hemel Hempstead there now, Jake, as to where you are now. But talk to us about life after Luton, so to speak. I think you went to onto Eastleigh to begin with, then Dagenham and Redbridge, then Billericay, um, and then back home, so to speak, to Hemel because that's where it all started, wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, obviously, being a kid, I was ten, eleven, twelve, playing locally. Um, was at Chelsea for a little bit doing this bit or doing that. Was at Watford for a little while. Didn't really enjoy it. I felt it too much. And being in my household, we were just a normal house family, you know, 
council houses, just living up like every 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 human being growing up. And it was tough for my parents or my my, my dad to take me to training sessions four times a week with having a younger brother and sister bringing up as well. It was tough. And it, it cost obviously driving to these things and money wasn't something we were, you know, we were had loads of. So everywhere we, my family could, they backed me every way they could. But I wanted to play locally and just enjoy my football with my mates on a Sunday. Played at county level, played with, with great players there. And I was the only player at the time that was not in an academy. Um, people like Victor Moses and, and players like that. I was sort of, you know, I'm just from Hill Hempstead enjoying football. But it was another great experience. And then Luton come along and that sort of happened. And uh, yeah, so Luton finished, signed at Eastleigh, went down to Eastleigh, knew the manager there, Chris Todd, an ex-pro, called me up. Had a few good clubs on the table, clubs that I didn't feel like it was right for me to go to. I wasn't ready to to compete against Luton Town, um, as weirdly as it sounds, you know. Um, rivals to Luton. Don't want to give obviously names away, to, to, to be honest, but... I, yeah, I turned them down to go play with Chris Todd down at Eastleigh and their experience, go back to the conference, see what I could do there. They had a great budget, a great chairman down there, uh, up and coming club who's, who's come through, you know, the non-long league levels, went down there, didn't really work out, a few changes with Chris, Chris Todd going, Martin Allen coming in. Um, I was travelling every day, I was still living in Luton, it was taking me a long time training every day and it sort of took its toll and my knee went um, started the season, played the first 10, was, was playing really well, and my knee went again. So I had to have another operation to clear out on it. Martin Allen just said to me, look, you're travelling a lot. John Stills spoke to me, said that he'd, he'd gladly take you there at Dagenham. And I said, look, to be honest with you, I'm going to have to consider it because of the distance, my injury. John knows how to get the best out of me. Um, and parted ways with Beastly and went to Dagenham. And annoyingly, as uh, you guys know, Luton go on pre-season tours. And during my time there, I think we did six tours to Portugal, to the Algarve. We did the same hotel, which is a lovely hotel. You get the same training course. You get the same bikes you have to drive to training with. And I did six, six years of it. And I was sort of like, Christ, I'm a bit done with this now. Went to Dagenham, first pre-season there, of course. John's took, took, took the idea from Luton. He's, he's, he took the pre-season tour there. I couldn't believe me luck. It's roasting hot. You have to cycle to the training ground, to the back to the training ground. Don't get me wrong, you get a lovely tan. You get very fit, but it's a grind. It's a tough, tough, tough camp. Um, so, yeah, played at Dagenham. Enjoyed it there. Enjoyed my time at Dagenham there. Then got the offer to join the, the party bus of Billericay. Um, went there as captain. And it was great, to be honest with you. I... Got on really, really well with the owner. Everyone has their opinion on Glenn Tamplin. And I can, I can honestly say he is an absolute gem. And he's a, a top, top, top man. And unless you meet him personally, I, I wouldn't listen to all these things you hear. Because he's an incredible, incredible guy. And he's done amazing things for Essex, for Billericay. And he's put Billericay on the map. And what he's achieved with that club at the time was amazing. I think he's obviously trying to do it now with Romford. But incredible, incredible guy. And he's so... He's great. Honestly, he's great. And he, he's got stories for days that you'd never ever dream of thinking about. Um, so, yeah, enjoyed there. And then I felt it was time with a young family. I felt it was time for me to represent my home, you know, my hometown, Hemel. I always felt like I was going to come back to Hemel. Um, and the, the chance come, started this season. And, uh, yeah, the gaffer rang me there. I knew the chairman being Hemel anyway. 
obviously all my friends and family are from Hemel, so it was it was an opportunity I, I wanted to do. Um, and yeah, it, it come up and I joined Hemel Hempstead and yeah, I'm playing for my hometown now. Jake, you've had a, a, a brilliant career with Luton and, and you're still uh, deeply involved in football and it's been great to share all your memories and, and everything like that. And we really appreciate you giving up your time for us uh, this evening. Uh, just before you go, though, I know you, you didn't get a chance to say goodbye to the Luton fans when you were released. So uh, what would your message be to all those Luton fans that are listening on now? Christ, you're trying to get me emotional here. It's <laughs> Wednesday evening. I don't need, I weren't ready for that. Uh, to be honest, I just, I, I just need to say thank you for everything you did from day one. Um, and I, I was personally so proud and privileged to play in front of you week in, week out. And I'm so glad Luton are where they are now and you're in safe hands. And believe me, it's this season, if they stay up or not, who knows? But I know for every player that's playing there, they give everything they can to stay up. But for me personally, I, 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 owe, I owe you massively because you made me who I am today as a person, as a player. And I, I, yeah, I owe you all personally thank you. And if I could personally thank you all, I would. And if anyone ever wants a chat, then I'm more than happy to chat with any Luton fan and go through any questions they have or any memories they want to chat about. Or if Simon, if you ever want a co-commentator and I'm not playing at Hemel, I'd love to come down. But honestly, thank you. And I'm so proud to be a part of the history of Luton Town and shame I can't come back and say thank you in front of you and, and play on the, on the pitch again. But the club's back on track and that was my mission. And I'm so proud to be a part of Luton and part of the history there. So thank you to all the Luton fans. And um, yeah, a proud, a proud hatter who's a lifelong Luton fan now. We're delighted to have shared your career, Jake. And uh, we'd just like to wish you all the best for the future. And thanks so much for the last hour or so. It's been fantastic. No worries. Thank you very much and uh, hope, the, hope the boys can do it this season. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jake. That's uh, great words there. And I think on behalf of the supporters, many would like to thank you for 334 games, 31 goals and many, many years of uh, highs and a few lows in there, but a great career for Luton Town Football Club. Uh, thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you, Simon. And uh, keep doing your commentating and your, your crazy celebrations because everyone <laughs> still hears them. Take it yeah. easy. Thank you for having me, everyone. Cheers, Jake. Cheers, Jake. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye bye.